Welcome to the Potion Podcast, your raw look at the hospitality industry, brought to you by SHC. This week's episode is proudly sponsored by Bar Green Ellington for all your restaurant and bar needs. Visit bargreen.com for the full portfolio. What is seven Post Shifters? Welcome back to another episode of the Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Uh, I've been busy with a lot of other stuff this recently. Clive's been quite busy. The My new book, BC Spirits Cocktail Book, just came out um, this last week as well. So I've been a little bit preoccupied, but I've been really loving doing these more seminar-style Post Shift shots for you guys. And I know that you're listening to it through uh, audio but you can go over and watch it uh, via video on YouTube as well. Um, so this one's how to do costings. And this one's been toying with my head a little bit. So a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago now, I put out the ultimate costing sheet, which was my gift to everybody about Excel and being able to plug in everything and away you go. And so I wanted to go a little bit deeper on that because I think a lot of young bartenders, a lot of young chefs, um, aren't getting trained properly because there's a, a myriad of things, factors that go into um, costing out and your final costings and your sales mixes and your contribution versus profits and all these things. And I'm starting to see a, a bit of a trend here in Victoria, at least, about pricings going up and up and up. And while independents are still sometimes cheaper than franchises, franchises are quite up there as, as well. So I really want to dive into this to give you a bit more of an understanding on where I'm sort of looking at when it comes to my costings, when I do my costings. So define your niche. This is a big one. This is when you're just saying out, what do you want to sell? It's a big one. What do you want to sell? We're going to dive into this a little bit more, but what do you want to sell? What do you want to be known for? Projected uh, budget versus overall budget. And this is quite a big one because your sales mix really comes into this. And I've talked about sales mix at the very end here. Sales mix, because you may be making money in something, but if your sales mix isn't strong enough, it's actually going to lose your money. And I'm going to explain to you how. Um, so what? Define your market. Can you define the region, the area, the township, everything that you're in as you speak about where you want to put your restaurant? And does your restaurant gonna, does your restaurant need to be there? can be somewhere else. So really define your market, your demographics, your menial income, all these sort of things to really set yourself aside and get yourself a mission statement to go. The amount of times I've seen high-end restaurants move into middle, middle-class sort of uh, neighborhoods and they people that live there don't want to go there. They're house rich. They have two cars in the garage because they go drive into the city. They have no disposable income um, and you're creating a luxury restaurant. These are little things that I know that aren't going to be too much about costing, but I just want to put it in there anyway. <coughs> Compare with your competitors. Now, this one's a good one because a lot of SWOT analysis and the stuff that I sort of see is always about like, oh, I'm going to cannibalize guests from their venue and they may cannibalize people from my venue. And sometimes I think, well, if you just try and build your tallest building instead of trying to tear down another, another tall building you're going to get ahead to start with because it comes down to product and brand one, but two, a lot of people never talk about like, if you move into a new block and there's been a restaurant on that block for a couple of years and they never seem too full, they never seem too successful, but they've always been good. They've been breaking even. We've talked about all those sort of things. Bringing your venue into that space helps everybody lift up. Like I don't ever see anyone as a competitor. I never see anyone as taking people away from me. 
I see a culture where one lifts up the other and continues to lift up the other. And so I sort of see you moving into a new region or someone else moving into a new region on into your region as an opportunity to really elevate that whole area and continue to build more people in that area means more people through your door. So there's always ways around looking at your competitors, find efficiencies. Now I use this one as mainly the reason my driver for doing all my businesses, to be honest with you. Um, I look for deficiencies in the market. What do we need? Uh, when I opened Clive's in 2009, um, or took over Clive's in 2009, it was about creating a space that actually did classic cocktails, which we did not have except for Solomon's. When I did Little Jumbo in 2013, it was about combining a high-end cocktail program with a fantastic food program. And these are the little things that I was looking for deficiencies, things that didn't exist. You'd go to a restaurant for a really good meal, but you couldn't go to a restaurant, have a good meal and a good cocktail. Um, stick to your mission statement. I don't know how many people have to tell you. If you haven't got to find your mission statement about what you want to do, you're already two steps behind. But flip-flopping on what you are, I see it all the time. I see a restaurant open for a month or two months, and all of a sudden they're sticking something, changing something, moving something, giving stuff away for free. Um, you have to stick to your mission statement. And I know it is it is bloody hard uh, to stick to that mission statement because um, – when you change something, it takes six weeks, sometimes six weeks to three months to really stick and get more full market penetration. So you changing something every two weeks is not going to do anything for your business. Unfortunately, it might give you a little spike every two weeks, but it's not going to be a long-term solution. And I see a lot of people selling these things and gain, um, getting uh, recommendations after two weeks. I'm like, two weeks in a restaurant is not that long. Two weeks in a restaurant is a pay period. Like you really need some long-term goals set out. But if you go top to bottom from this, you sticking to your mission statement shouldn't be hard because sticking to your mission statement is the way that you can really, really stick it in long-term. So my napkin rule. If you can't write down what you are on a napkin, then you're already behind. You should be able to define yourself in a sentence, two sentences. What are you? What is your restaurant? What is your concept? I've got three examples here. We're a vegan restaurant with a focus on natural wine. That's very fair. Vegan's very popular. Natural wine's very popular. Why would you not open a restaurant and a wine bar? We are a high-end cocktail bar with simple food menu. Easy again. We're a craft beer bar that sells barbecue. Again, fantastic. These are the sort of things that you should be able to put on a napkin and frame in your office about that was the concept. This was the concept I created and put it down on a napkin. If you can't do it in one in, on a napkin, you're already befuddled and need to really focus up what you are. Let's talk about budgets. So I've done some research, but as you can see, I said research your region because researching your region is very, very important. You have to know where your region sits based on government-run liquor stores or cheap booze or literally anything. Uh, you've opened a farm table restaurant in an area where there's no farm table restaurants, but there's tons of farms. So you're getting produce for really, really well priced. So I've done a big spread there. Um, your food costs 28 to 35%. Now I've tried to do some bit more research on how this breaks down the way the bar cost is. Couldn't find too much stuff out there. So it is a bit more of a house rule, but you should be grouping like meat and poultry together, fruit and vegetables together, dairy and eggs together, bread together. There should be at least three, three to five separate sections on your food costs to go through. Now, I've done 
this for the bar cost, but I'm going to do some more research for the food cost just for the chefs out there so they can really understand, understand. because if you're a sandwich restaurant and you're buying cheese, uh, processed cheese and meat and bread, your cost is going to be much, much lower than someone who's serving steaks all night long. And so this is where the contribution versus profit margin comes in. That's 28 to 35%. I'm going to try and find some more breakdowns for you guys. So bar costs, your spirits and cocktails, 18 to 25%. Pretty decent little spread there. Wine is massive. Now I'm going to get into wine because wine is huge. And if you miss it and you uh, do it too high, you can bite you in the butt. So wine, 30 to 45% cost. Beer, 20 to 26%. That's including bottled beer as well. Draft beer is usually a little bit lower. Bottle beer is a little bit higher. And then labor cost, 20 to 35%. I'm not going to get into labor cost too much about this because labor and bar costs and, and food costs is very, very interesting because you've got to have a, a, a certain amount of labor just to exist. And if you can do your prep and everything in that exist, existence, then it's not going to creep too far out. It's when you have labor for a cocktail program, that means that someone has to come in four, hour, uh, four hours early before they shift to prep. That's when your labor gets out of hand because it's not during service. It's not during times that you're making money. So it is a bit of a labor suck. We're not going to touch on labor too much because I've done that in the past, but let's keep kicking along. Setting your baselines. Now, this is important. Market research, again, you need to know what everybody else is charging. What is your baseline price for your entry-level products? Okay. This one's an interesting one to explain because I try and explain this to a lot of people. So while my, my spirit budget might be 22%, hypothetically, a lot of my base spirits won't be running at 20%. percent they be running much lower than that because what I do is I, I set a baseline. So all my well products are... X amount of dollars. Now, if all my well products are X amount of dollars based on market research, how everybody else is charging, what everybody else is charging, the cost in other venues that are similar to mine, that X dollars should be making you anywhere from 12 to 15, 12 to 17% cost, which I know I am. So that way, once you do your big costings, that's your profit margin. And then your contribution numbers are your high-end whiskeys. You may not want to make 22% on your high-end whiskeys. You might be happy to make 32% on your high-end whiskeys because you know that if someone goes, comes in and buys a Brucladi Octomore for 35, 40 bucks an ounce, that's a $40 ounce of whiskey. It doesn't matter if it's running at 32% cost. You just poured $40, which means that you'd have to make three cocktails to make that same amount of money in the bank. How much labor, how much everything is going involved with that. So what's your entry-level product price? It's a big one. It should be your baseline and then everything goes up from there. And I'm going to get into a little bit more because I've done the ultimate costing sheet again. Um, so you can sort of see where I'm sitting with that. Market standing. <coughs> what can the market bear? What can the market bear? How much can you charge for a glass of wine? How much can you charge for a steak? How much can you charge for a cocktail? How much can you charge for anything that you're doing? Can the market wear it? Are you in a tourist town? COVID has definitely pulled back the blanket on a lot of different things. Like tourists are happy to pay a little bit higher premium because they're visiting. Are the locals going to? Are you a local spot? Are you a tourist spot? That goes back to your market uh, research in the last couple of slides. Do you want to be the cheapest? Do you want to be the most expensive? Where do you want to sit? Where do you want to sit? Do you want to be the cheap place? Do you want to be the cheap and cheerful place? Nothing wrong with that. We've got places like dive bars and fun bars and bars that serve Bud Light and shots of Jameson for less than 10 bucks. You can be that cheap place. You're going to mass have massive uh, volume, which means you're going to make your profit margin. But where do you want to stand in the market? Where do you want to stand on that line from cheap to expensive? Where do you want to sit?
Now, this is always my rule of thumb, and this is a big argument I have with a lot of people when it comes to costings, single versus reorder. I will always prefer someone to order two $15 cocktails than one $20 cocktail. And that is human nature in itself. They will be happy. They will spend, have two drinks of 30 bucks, easy. One drink for 20 bucks, would they reorder that again? It's a tough call. And you may have your own opinions on that as well, but that is a tough, tough call. And that's always my argument. I'd prefer to do two cocktails at $15 at 22% cost than one cocktail at at $20 cocktail at 18% cost. Because at the end of the day, I'm making more money. I'm making more contribution. I'm making more dollars per drink, everything. And so this is my rule of thumb. I'm going to say it one more for the type people in the back. I was always prefer someone to order two $15 cocktails than one 20. And on that note, we're going to go to the next one. So basic cost formula. Now I've put this into the spreadsheet. So this is just so you have it wrapped around your head. It's cost of ingredients divided by sale price times hundred. And there you go. You got your percentage. Not too hard there. You can find this anywhere. Just a quick little slide just to show you where I'm going. So this is my big sheet. Now, I turned this into a video, but I'm going to link this up so you guys can see. This is where we're at with spirits. Now, I've gone through this video. If you haven't watched this video, please go back and check it out. You can download the free um, spreadsheet and everything. So you put your product in, you skew your supplier just so that you've got those information for your inventory and stuff. Size volume, that's very important. Bottle cost. And then it's going to roll out all your poor costs. And then you type in your liquor budget, and then it's going to project out project out your ounce and then project out your two ounce. So like this is all going to roll it all out and this is going to continue to roll out. And then that, that goes into your sales mix at the end. So I'm going to link this up. Don't stress about it. Please go look, check it out. It's going to help you out a lot. Oh, now it's going to play the video, isn't it? I don't want to play the video. Okay. Let's talk about sales mix because sales mix is really important. Profit versus contribution. It goes to say what I just said. Do you want to have two cocktails at 15 or 120? You know, so that's a big thing. Someone said to me once, do you want to sell three hamburgers, three hamburgers or one rack of ribs? Like one rack of ribs. And well, one rack of one rack of lamb. One rack of lamb. He's like, but but you're not making as much money. I'm like, yeah, I am because I haven't got the labor entailed to do three burgers. I haven't got the ingredients to do three burgers. I've just got one dish going out and I'm making my contribution. Am I making the same profit margin? Hells to the nose. That's where sales mix comes in. And I do believe sales mix is as important, if not more important than your costings to start with. Because your sales mix can like really throw your day out from being a really good week to being a really bad week really soon. And I'm going to show you why. Okay. So <coughs> this is a, um, we, I went with this one. This one's sort of a cocktail bar sort of feel. So we're looking at spirits and cocktails make up 50%, 20% cost. Perfect. Now, wine. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a cocktail bar. I just want to, I want a cheap and cheerful wine list so that my staff, and this is what I do at Clive's, cheap and cheerful wine list so my staff don't have to worry about um, talking people through it. Just as a Syrah or a Pinot Noir. It's super simple because I'm, I'm selling cocktails. I want to focus on cocktails. Cocktails are going to make me the most money. So I did 20% of my sales mix is wine at 45% cost. Draft beer, bottle beer, simple. It's two small little ones, 13s and 12s. Not really much to move. So 100% sales mix, 25.5% overall cost. Really solid, tight, little cost for a bar program for sure. Now, 
This is where it can bite you in the ass when you don't do your market research and don't figure out what people really want. Now, let's just say you, you wanted to be a cocktail bar so bad and you did all the fancy things and you had all the fancy tools and stuff, but you didn't do the training quite as well. And you didn't hire the staff as well as you did. And those cocktails start taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get out. And all of a sudden people are like, well, I'm not going to go there because the cocktails take too long. Someone's just get a glass of wine. All of a sudden, let's change the sales mix up. So all of a sudden we go to, down to 30% spirits and cocktails, which is not unreasonable. And we up our wine to 45 and we've still got the 45% cost for our wine. And this is where sales mix can bite you really quickly and really change your month at the end of the month. We're going from a 25.5% overall projected cost to a 31.75. 31.75 is not something you really want to play with. Um, that's a really, that's a really quite, it's getting up there. And so this is where you really have to decide where you are and what you want to sell and how much you want to make from those things you want to sell. Like literally six point something percent. That's crazy. With just a simple flick of a switch where people are buying bottles of wine or champagne and not drinking the cocktails you want to, you want to do. This is where your sales mix can be really important. Sales mix, one more thing, food. So let's, let's, have, let's, let's go back to that, that napkin idea. I just want to be a high-end cocktail bar with... Um, with uh, good bar food. Now, 32%, I probably would have dropped that down to maybe 28 to 30 um, for a more of a tapas style cocktail menu sort of deal. But you can see like that sort of sales mix. Bar is selling 60% of the sales. Food is 40% of the sales. So you're making 28.1 of overall projected costs for your bar and your kitchen with that sales mix. That is a good little nugget, depending on how your labor sort of sits with that. It's a good little nugget with combined costs for food and, and food and, um, and bar. But let's flip it. All of a sudden, you flip it for the bar. So we've all of a sudden become a, a wine bar and people are buying more wine. So you, that's your 40% sales mix. But people are eating more and that's costing you more money to bring in the stuff. It's, it's your, your chef has decided to do some really high-end items because he's seen a wine market. So he's decided to put up a food cost. All of a sudden, you've gone from a 28.1% projected sales, uh, projected costs for your for your whole venue to 34. It's a 6% increase. That's a that's a chunk of coin. That's a chunk of coin out of your bottom line. So sales mix and your 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 cost of goods work hand in hand to make you money at the bottom line. So I'm going to tie this off in a nice little bro. Step success. Define what you want to be long-term. Do you want to be a cocktail bar? Do you want to be a beer bar? Do you want to be a wine bar? I didn't even get into purchases on this one because I just want to do costs because purchases are another factor in your costings. If you've got a big wine list, that costs money to keep. Like if you've got a big beer list, that costs money to keep. But if it's only a small percentage of sales, you should only be spending that amount of money on your program, period. Gear budgets to make the most profit from the desired elements. That goes back to like seeing your wine sales go up. Oh shit. Okay. Well, I got to bring my wine costs way down. I got to bring my wine costs way, way down so that I can make more money from wine because I'm selling more of that. Same thing with cocktails, beer, wine, everything. Like you really got to gear it. Same thing with food. If you're seeing like people just eating truffle fries and drinking wine, your food costs should be really low as well. So these are little, little, like little things I always track I, and I, I think I, yeah, I did. I did it in the sales breakdown. I always track exactly what my sales makeup is on a daily basis so that I can see what's selling, what's not moving, why we sold X amount more of wine or beer. 
and go from there. Your sales mix, where's your profit come? Where's your contribution come from? You need to have a balance between big ticket items going out. That's why I have a $200 cocktail on my menu. And where's my profit coming from? My profit's coming from my gin martinis, my Manhattans, my, all those sort of things. So where's my sales mix? And I dialed this right in. And then report, weekly or monthly inventory. So many venues do not do inventory and it kills me. You have to do inventory. It's a whole different seminar. But if you're not doing inventory once a month, you are seriously, possibly missing out on thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at the end of the year in bottom line. Now, if you're a mom and pop shop and you think that you know where everything is, stuff gets over poured. Wine gets over poured real quick. Everything can get out of hand real quick. You really need to get on board with your weekly and monthly inventories. Please, if you need any help, just reach out to me. Review costs in your sales mix monthly and quarterly. I look at this on a daily basis. I know where my sales mix is on a daily basis for the month. And I can see and coordinate how much I'm going to spend in purchases, how much I'm going to make, where my profit margins are coming from, how come these things are up and down. So on that note, guys, it's a post shift shot. It's supposed to be a short little one. If you ever need to get a hold of me, please text me on community 1250-999-4182. It is my community platform. It is a free to use uh, system, which gives you direct access to me. If you ever need any sort of help or you've listened to this episode, and you're like, hey, I want to learn more about this. Hit me up at info at soulhospitality.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my podcast. Add and do all the things. Do all the things. Reviews, everything. So I want to say thank you so much, guys. Thanks as always for the support. Have a good week. See you soon. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.